Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. gospel reading this morning in our sermon text comes from the gospel of Mark. We're going to be in the 10th chapter and we're going to take a look at verses 46 through 52. So again, this is the gospel of Mark chapter 10 verses 46 through It says, they came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. This past Tuesday, um, my car needed an oil change, uh, tires rotated, there was a front headlight that was out that needed to be replaced. So I dropped it off up here at Tire Choice. And because it's so close to the church and because it was such a nice day, I decided just to walk to work. One of the things that I've enjoyed most about living here is the opportunity afforded somebody just to get out and walk around town. I've walked down to Bend to get my hair cut. I've walked to go get lunch a time or two. I've gotten out and just walked around to try to clear my head. You get to notice some things when you're out walking that you normally don't if you're driving or riding a bike or even out on a run. You can hear the birds chirping. You can feel the breeze on your face. You can feel the sun on your skin. You also have the opportunity to see and meet and talk to other folks that are walking on the same path that you are. Jesus certainly did a whole lot of walking, didn't he? I looked online this week, and there seems to be some consensus that in his three years of ministry, he walked somewhere around 3,100 miles. And that's a conservative estimate. And we can read all throughout the Gospels about the different towns that Jesus went to, the different paths he used to get there, the different people that he stopped to meet and greet and talk to and teach and heal. But this morning I was thinking about it, I really think all throughout the Gospels, 
Jesus traveled one road. He traveled it for you. He traveled it for me. That one road ran from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. You see, the road to Jerusalem is long and winding. It traverses hills and valleys, forests and farms, cities and suburbs and small fading towns. Along this road are all manner of people. Each in his or her own way is feeble and frail. There are those who hurt and those who have been hurt. Those who suffer and those who cause suffering. Power brokers and those broken by power. They stand together but alone along this road and beg with their words, with their eyes, with the desires of their heart. They line this road searching for something or someone to help. And along this road walks the one who can. He sees those that cannot. He hears those that cry out. He walks this road to Jerusalem hearing and gathering and healing as he goes. He instructs and invites and binds together all who call out for mercy. He, of course, is Jesus, the Lord of creation, the restorer of body and soul. And today, friends, his road to Jerusalem turns right here into Mount Olivet United Methodist Church. Because you and I this morning, we stand on this road. He calls us to follow him all the way home. But first, we have to see him. Because after all, this story is a story about sight, isn't it? I would imagine each and every time that you have heard this story preached on, you have been told that Bartimaeus' physical blindness is a metaphor for spiritual blindness. And that is still the way that I want us to look at it this morning, but maybe in a little bit of a different way. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, is sitting by the road when he hears that Jesus is near. And he calls out to Jesus and he asks for mercy. And even though that those that have gathered around him try to keep him quiet, try to keep him away from Jesus, he will not be denied and he cries out louder and louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops in his track and asks that this man be brought to him. And then throwing off his cloak, our text tells us, he jumps up and goes to the Lord. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks him. My teacher let me see again. Friends, I don't know about you, but this was the first time, as many times I've read this story, that I noticed that Bartimaeus evidently was not born blind. Because he says, let me see again. Other translations have, let me regain my sight. Or, let me reclaim my sight. So Bartimaeus, at some point in his life, saw perfectly fine. Then something happened. We don't know what it was, but something happened that caused him to go blind. I think the mistake that we make sometimes is thinking that blindness, this spiritual blindness, 
only occurs in those that have never heard of Jesus or have never accepted Jesus or never wanted Jesus. And that is part of our calling to get those people to Jesus so that they can see. Now certainly all of that is true. But this morning another truth hit me as I was studying this passage I want to share with you. How many of us who once saw spiritually with perfect clarity now find ourselves blind and in need of recovering or regaining or reclaiming our sight? What causes us to fall out of patterns and habits and the disciplines that bring us closer and closer to Christ? It reminds me of the years I used to coach the kids in basketball when we lived in Burlington. Both of them played in leagues that were through the YMCA. The season ran from November all the way through March. You practiced once during the week and you had games on Saturdays. And each year, right after Christmas, I would email all the parents of the players I was coaching, encouraging them to get to the Y a little bit earlier during January. Because with everyone making resolutions to get in shape, there are going to be a few more cars there than usual. But also reminded them that come about mid-February, as people began to find other things to occupy their time and their desire started to dissipate, that things would get back to normal. And sure enough, each January, the YMCA parking lot was full of cars. And just as sure, by mid-February, the parking lot became more and more vacant. I want you for a minute just to think back to the time when you were the most intentional about your faith. When you saw perfectly the path that Jesus wanted you to follow. When you wanted nothing more than to fully experience the presence of your maker. What spiritual practices did you engage in? Is it daily prayer? Devotions? Scripture readings? Small groups? How often did you go to Sunday school? How many Sundays out of the month did you make it to church? And what about now? What happened? Here's what I think happened. We experience temptation. We get distracted. We come up with excuses. We fall into sin. We make mistakes. We take wrong turns. We become despondent, we feel ashamed, and we become content to stop walking with Jesus and instead prefer just to sit on the side of the road, wrapping ourselves with the cloak of shame and regret and the, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. And that becomes the new habit. When we allow ourselves to only see our mistakes and our failures, or when we allow ourselves to become distracted from the constant effort that our faith requires, or when we wallow in sin or allow temptation to hold sway over us, we miss seeing our true identities as children of God and the free and abundant life that we can live. All we see is fear and guilt. All we hear are the distractions. All we feel is the hopelessness that comes with knowing we should be more intentional about our spiritual disciplines, and yet we don't take the next step. Blind Bartimaeus, sitting helplessly by the road outside of Jericho, begging for alms and attention, 
expresses this same kind of hopelessness that sometimes blinds us. We don't know how long he's been sitting on the side of the road. Might be a few days. Could have been a few years. But when he hears that Jesus is in the vicinity, (coughs) something changes for him. Son of David, have mercy on me, he cries out. Bartimaeus here gives words to the groans that we feel at times when we seek release from the imprisonment of sin, guilt, distraction, and shame. And when Jesus calls out to him, this is the invitation to rebirth and reconfiguration. And this same invitation, friends, is available to you right here, right now, this morning. As the road that Jesus walks makes its way up and down the aisles here in our sanctuary, we have the opportunity to also call out to him, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Regardless of how long you've been sitting on the side of the road, let today be the day that you get up and you throw off whatever it is that's been holding you back from coming to Jesus fully and intentionally, and you come to him. That's what Bartimaeus did. He jumped up, threw off his cloak, and he came to Jesus. That little detail, the throwing off of his cloak, is important here. I don't want us to miss it. You see, in the early days of the church, those that were about to be baptized were invited to strip themselves of their clothing, symbolizing that they were giving up their old way of life. And think about what it means for Bartimaeus, a blind beggar who has no home, no job, Nothing of real value. That cloak represents everything he had. Whatever meager possessions he may still have with him were probably in the pockets. This is what kept him warm at night. This is what he used for a pillow during the day to rest. That cloak is everything to him. And yet, he tossed it aside to go to Jesus. That's faith, friend to leave everything behind, to come to Jesus, to seek his mercy, to seek his healing, trusting that he was going to be taken care of. Can you throw off whatever's holding you back? Trusting that Jesus is going to take care of you and Jesus is going to heal you? Because what the arc of the gospel tells us is that Jesus invites all of us to follow him invites all of us to receive his saving atonement, invites all of us to enter into the kingdom of heaven because Jesus' immense grace is sufficient. And then at the feet of Jesus, Bartimaeus hears the question that all of us in moments of still and quiet all hear from our maker. A question that invites us into transformation. What do you want me to do for you? How we answer reveals a lot about where we are on our journeys because, friends, we can be up and we can be walking on the road with Jesus and still not quite get it. By way of example, just go back to verse 35 of this same chapter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, whom Jesus refers to as the sons of thunder, Which, as an aside, wouldn't that be a great nickname for a pro wrestling tag team? The Sons of Thunder. (laughs) 
Jesus asked them the exact same question, word for word. What do you want me to do for you? And what do they say? They request glory. They request power. They request honor. James and John, though physically able to see, demonstrate their kingdom blindness by asking for personal glory. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, asks for mercy. Bartimaeus asks to see. And while physically blind, was spiritually seen. After all, doesn't he simply ask for what all of us as Jesus' followers wish to have fulfilled? That we all have eyes to see the Savior? One of my Bible studies put it this way, it is on those that know their need, not those who assume their superiority, that God pours out mercy. It is on those that know their need not those who assume their superiority, that God pours out mercy. Are you aware of your spiritual needs at this hour? When Jesus asks you the question, what do you want me to do for you? How are you going to respond? When Jesus heals Bartimaeus, he releases him with a simple word, go. And the now seeing Bartimaeus is given the freedom to go anywhere he wants to. And as chapter 10 draws to a close, we read what? Immediately he, Bartimaeus, followed Jesus on the way. The faithful response to Jesus' call, friends, is always discipleship. What saves the spiritually blind is the repentance that culminates in faith. What restores the vision of the spiritual seeker is throwing off the old mind and adopting, through God's grace, a divine mind. Once the soul has been changed, has been transfigured, once the blind have been made to see, the only path that seems appealing is the path that Jesus walked. The path of radical self-offering, self-surrender, and sacrifice. One of my commentaries said this, Fired by God's consciousness, in touch with the divine source within us, drinking from the well of eternal life, we are inspired simply to pour ourselves out in love. After his encounter with Bartimaeus, Jesus heads on to Jerusalem on the day we now celebrate as Palm Sunday. Jerusalem was always the final destination on Jesus' road. And he repeatedly makes this clear all throughout Scripture. His road was always headed for the city of David, not for glory, though, but for suffering. It was a road of death, not just for Jesus, but for everyone who would walk with him, for all who would be baptized into the road with him. But this road does not end at the grave, not for Jesus or Bartimaeus or anyone else united with them. This road would go right through the grave, back among the feeble and the frail, back among the weak-hearted and the slow to believe, back among the power brokers and those broken by power. Along that road, the risen Christ would, would continue to call, continue to gather, continue to heal. He would continue to restore and bind together all who cry out for his mercy. And this road goes right up the aisles of our congregation this morning. From it, he calls you again 
and again, inviting you to walk, not only with him, but also with Bartimaeus, with James and John, with all the company of stragglers who have cried out for mercy and found salvation in Jesus. And the road is not stopped in here. It goes out from this space, out through the church doors, back into the community, through hills and valleys, forests and farms, cities and suburbs, and small fading towns. And this road keeps on going until it reaches the New Jerusalem, where the road turns into streets of gold, where cries are no longer for mercy, but for joy and praise. We travel along this road, friends, with him who is giving us sight and salvation. He's given us eyes to see him as our Lord and our Redeemer, and he enables us to see, to really see, where we are troubled and all who are troubled around us. Until this road finally reaches its final destination, he continues to call more and more to walk with him. And he continues to open our eyes to those who walk with us. Friends, I want to invite you to walk with me on this road. To walk with him on this road. I want us to see those who suffer around us, especially those who suffer in our congregation. I want us to bear with one another and to be carried with one another. Do not hide your eyes from the cross and suffering, not from your own or from the suffering of others. And please do not overlook the empty tomb. Friends, you have been risen with the risen Christ and now can walk with the reigning son of David. So ask for his mercy. Get up. Throw off whatever it is that is holding you back. Seek his face. Be comforted by his love. Be assured of his grace. Know that the glory of the gospel is that we don't have to make ourselves acceptable to God in order to be welcomed in by him. Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, has secured all we need to be restored in God. But friends, we have to keep walking. And we have to see him. How's your eyesight this morning? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.